But all of a sudden, I'm busier than ever before helping listeners just like you save more money than they ever thought possible. Don't take my word for it. Just ask Craig in Wisconsin. He recently saved some money at SaveWithConrad.com, left us a five-star review, and he wrote this. The process of refinancing my home was as easy as it could be. Jimmy and the rest of the team were in constant communication with me, and I was never left wondering what my next steps would be. I shaved 13 years off of my loan. 13 years! I received a better rate and saved $110,000 over the life of the loan. I just want to say to Conrad and the entire crew, I love you. Listen, this is a real review. Craig is going to save more than $110,000 and you can do this too. And listen, it's not fancy to figure out how we're doing it. We reduced his term from 30 years. He was just two years into a 30 year loan. So he has 28 left. We found a way to make the payments affordable on a 15 year loan. In the process, we cut 13 years worth of unnecessary house payments off. Run the numbers yourself right now. Throw it in your calculator. You know you've got one. 13 years times 12 monthly payments a year. That's 156 payments. Now, what's your payment? You probably know it to the penny. He's going to save 110 grand. Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But we can even help families with credit scores in the 500s. So what are you waiting for? Let us run the numbers. Find out how much money you can save for free right now at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention you get to skip your next two house payments? If you haven't already, you can skip your June and your July payment. You're done until August 1st. And oh, by the way, we're licensed in more than 40 states. So why wouldn't you do this? Get a quick quote right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Dark Side of the Podcast. And of course, we couldn't do it without the creators of this wonderful series. It's Evan and Jason. Evan, how are you, sir? Good. I'm doing well. Thanks for having us back. Man, I'm excited about this one, Jason. This is a, a different type of Dark Side of the Ring. Fair to say? It is, yeah. You know, luckily, no one has died uh, during this story. <laughs> and um, it. You know, for us, it was like described right off the bat as being almost this kind of like dreamlike nightmare Twilight Zone sort of experience where, you know, a bunch of American wrestlers go to North Korea and, you know, just experience this really surreal uh, situation. So, yeah, we, 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 we leaned into that a bit. And I think you could tell from the episode last night and the reaction we saw is like people like that kind of, you know, the tone that we took with it. It's a, it's, you know, it's a, it, even though it's a little more scarier and, and a high anxiety inducing, it's, <laughs> it's kind of more of a fun episode. I think. Evan, yeah, I saw, watching it, uh, I saw oh, sorry, a lot of gonna... people compare it to, uh, like a sci-fi type vibe. Is that what you were going <laughs> yeah. for? <laughs> well, yeah, I was just going to say watching it back last night, um, you know, with everybody, it was, it was cool. Cause I was like thinking, um this this really feels like a uh, this is our men on a mission you know <laughs> episode and it really it really has its own contained vibe which I, I think is cool like you know shout out to um andrew gordon mcpherson who's our composer who you know as soon as we gave him the direction of twilight zone surreal nightmare you know 1960s alfred hitchcock you know he went down that rabbit hole of 
you know, Bernard Herman music and all that classic stuff from the 60s. And he really like, you know, I mean, you, I think that episode has its like Collision and Korea to me has such its own vibe, you know, as compared to most of the other episodes in the show. And that's just so fun. I think that was like a really cool uh, thing to watch back because it really hit me last night. It always like it always hits me while it's on the air, you know, like I, I've watched these episodes a hundred times plus, but you don't really truly watch it and experience it when everybody else is, you know, and so that that was really mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's certain things that our subjects had said that kind of like made us lean into that a little bit too, um, which we can get into. But, um, you know, we had Mike Chinoy, who was a CNN uh, correspondent who was there. And he talked about witnessing the experience being like watching like two alien nations like come together. <laughs> and it's like that kind of makes us like, oh, lean into that like sci-fi sort of tone of it. And, and just the fact that like the things that happen in this story are just so uh, surreal. I mean, yeah. straight straight down to the, uh, you know, uh, Muhammad Ali marching up the steps and punching and, you know, all that stuff to and then then you have this whole subplot of like a, a you know potentially like an attempted murder subplot you know so it's it's a crazy story there's so much going on in this episode and i don't know what you guys saw but i saw so much positive feedback about scott norton people really mm. fell in love with scott they want more scott norton uh evan me what, too <laughs> what was your experience like with scott so Man, Scott's awesome. Um, you know, hometown, you know, Scott and I are both from Minnesota. Scott, um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget this. It was like at StarCast, always goes back to goddamn StarCast, but uh, I was there in Vegas and I remember like trying to find Eric Bischoff or something. And I found him, of course, at the bar with Scott and uh, I think Animal's there and Sonny Ono was there. And Scott Norton was just holding court, you know, and his wife was there and he was just telling these stories one after the other that just killed me. And I was like, this guy is an incredible storyteller. Like he is when you picture like wrestlers in a bar telling stories like this, he's quintessential, you know, in in that. So uh, he just impressed me so much. And I I just remember in that moment, like, got to get Scott Norton on the show. And that was coincidentally the same moment where Animal approached me uh about about you know when he learned that i'd we this is when season one had just aired that saying you know we should do an episode about the road warriors and i was like hell yeah and um long story short scott norton was obviously involved in that and we were able to interview scott for that but i i did throw in a couple north korea questions because i was familiar i had read the chapter in his book about him going over there and i was familiar with some of the stories and so even back in season two we got a couple of questions answered from him on that subject and it was like, holy shit, <laughs> you know, this is a story in and of itself. Um, but working with him on this episode was so cool because or on this season, because he 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 wanted to get this right. He was so excited to be on this episode and to and to make sure he was doing it justice because this really was the most insane thing that's ever happened to him in his life, you know, and like he wanted to make sure he nailed this. So he was doing multiple takes, you know, and things, and he was so into it, and it it, it was just amazing. It was it was so cool, and obviously, like, you know, just the way he tells stories is so awesome. And yeah, he's just he's just an all around awesome dude. Can't say anything bad about Scott. So I'm curious, were there any? I mean, the reality is you're probably going to shoot Jason what 
five or six hours, maybe more. I mean, Lord, if there's a Kim Wood interview, maybe 20 hours and you're going to whittle it down <laughs> to like what 50 minutes or 45 minutes or oh. whatever. So were, were there some, some gold nuggets from uh, Scott Norton that just for whatever reason, couldn't make the cut. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying to think now. Cause there's, you know, we have like so many different, uh, cuts of, I got you. Um, oh, you got one. <laughs> what do you, what, what do you remember? Of? <laughs> I got a lot actually. So, um, <clears throat> yeah. So Scott, oh man. Um, like Scott Norton legitimately, over there in North Korea, I mean, he was a ticking time bomb, you know, and and that was one thing that we really tried to convey was that he was, I mean, from the moment they took his passports, you know, he was so, fr you know, frustrated. And, and I, I think one thing we should say, too, is that this episode is mostly from the perspective, you know, of the American wrestlers who I think had very little knowledge of north korea before actually being in north korea which is wild to think you know by yeah. today's standards but they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into they were completely in over their heads so i think that is where a lot of the entertainment and and shock and anxiety comes from yeah. in this episode but it may <laughs> but anyway. have started before he got his passport i think i recall him talking about like when he saw the airplane that north oh korea yeah, yeah, brought yeah to pick them up like that really freaked him out he said it looked like the plane was like used in world war ii and they like right. get on this plane and it's got no seat belts you know they try to order <laughs> drinks and it's like scolding hot like beer and stuff and um that i think like at first he said like that plane ride was like everyone was so quiet and all you could hear was just like other wrestlers and people like praying like on the plane because they were so terrified so i i, um, I heard that he said that masa said that uh uh, said, I think he told people like, be careful on this plane because I think the plane is bugged. Oh, like everything that's on, everything you're saying on this plane is being recorded, and I think that's why a lot of people were just like, uh, you know, not going to say much. But really quick, one thing about the plane that was funny that that Scott did tell us is he did tell us that um, Muhammad Ali loved Hawk. Muhammad Ali was a, was a fan of Hawks and really enjoyed his promos like so much, you know. Um, and so he kept, obviously he was speaking in, in, in a low voice because of his illness, but he, he was like, kept basically telling Hawk, like, you know, Hawk, cut a promo on me, cut a promo on me. And so he just kept insisting Hawk cut a promo on him on the flight, you know, and it was like, do it again, Hawk, do it again. And then, you know, and then there was something and the, then there was like some story he told about Terry Funk and Ali wanted to hear it over and over and over again, but it was just, it was just, it was, it was so awesome to see like that connection of, of that. And then like Ali was just like rolling. He was, he was laughing hysterically just at Hawk, you know, cutting promos on him and stuff, <laughs> you know, well, you know, and all that stuff. But, but going back to Scott, yeah, like I think truly you're right. The plane definitely is where the anxiety started when the, when the passports got snatched, that was when the temper, the temper was going hot. He was running hot then. So when when we had that little pool table incident that yeah. we showed in the episode, that to me was kind of like so surreal because it's just like that moment when the when the there's the fly ball and then it's like that's when things are starting to become like a dream, you know, and time's kind of like irrelevant, you know, in the story. But um, one thing he told us is the North Korean handlers would would like when they wanted your attention or they wanted to tell you something or, or or reprimand you in some way, they would just snatch you by the arm like that, like just grab you like that. And uh, Scott was so hot at that. And he actually told a story of where one guy, one of the North Korean guards was doing that and he just like hip tossed the guy just like literally just 
and like hip toss this North Korean handler. <laughs> and everybody around him was just like, uh, you know, this was a constant thing where like Masa was coming over to Scott being like, Scott, you got to keep it cool, man. So I think like over the course of this whole thing is like trying to like cool down Scott. And I think it really took until they brought him into a fucking windowless dungeon, you know, and fucking showed him some guns. This is when they actually, he finally (laughs) got the message, you know, but um, that was one thing I remember. I also remember one thing too that was pretty cool is, um, is, uh, you know, so, because th- you know th- this was a several day trip um these guys are doing a bunch of different things and every moment of time is scheduled the whole itinerary is planned they have you know j- j- to to prevent them from wandering off like Eric Bischoff did in the episode <laughs> you know so <clears throat> one of the things is that they were going out with their handlers mm. so it was Scott Norton and Chris Benoit were going around North Korea with their handlers but they actually ran away from their handlers um and all the streets, if you're going to cross the street, the streets are so wide in North Korea. Like it's literally eight to 10 lanes wide because every street in North Korea is designed to be a, you know, basically a landing strip so it can turn into a, you know, military base. I think Bischoff talked about it on 83 weeks. But if you're going to cross the street, you actually do it through these underground tunnels. Um, and it, it was amazing that, you know, Scott told us a story where him and Benoit were just like, ducking the handlers and running through these underground tunnels separated from them and wound up in some other place in the city like at some market trying to buy things but like can you imagine like those two dudes like these two white dudes you're seeing like especially scott you know as like a giant and that stuff so that was also really crazy this whole thing is just such a wild misadventure you know the whole story is surreal but the idea that scott said something (laughs) on the phone to his wife that got him in that windowless room is really, I mean, it feels like a movie, doesn't it, Jason? Yeah. It, like to see that it, you know, because of, you know, what he did, you know, saying something disparaging about North Korea, that that's the, the retaliation and that, <laughs> you know, they are all worried, you know, that they're being like spied on and being listened into. And I think, you know, that obviously makes it uh, quite, you know, very real. And for me, it's like, you know, you see Scott and he's like the toughest looking wrestler like I've ever seen. And yeah. He's just so powerful. And then to see him be like so vulnerable in that moment and he's like terrified for his life um, and thinks he's, you know, he's going to get killed. Like it's, it is intense, like, you know, to do like get a knock on your door and then being told to like, you know, just come with us. And he didn't get a chance to tell anyone else that he was with where he was going. And then he's being brought to this like basement. <laughs> um it's like, yeah, it's like, like, it definitely, like, I got so many comments last night uh, from people saying, like, this could be a movie. Like, this yeah. could be a movie. Oh, it, of course. You know, it, it is. Oh. It, like, it, it just feels like, yeah, these guys are like fishes out of water. You know, it's like the A team or something, like, just getting thrown but, into this, like, you know, insane situation. It's totally terrifying, but it's also hilarious, too, you yeah, know, because yeah. <clears throat> just like imagining Scott, like, on the phone, Tammy, no. Tammy, you don't understand, you know, this is a shithole, you know, and calling it like the word shithole is what gets him into a fucking dungeon is um, so funny. Shithole is such a, this is hilarious. Yeah. Um, but one thing on that story too is while he's down there, apparently 
Um, I can't remember who told us this, but while they were he's being interrogated, they actually like, ripped apart his room too, oh. and they like removed all the bedding and everything. They removed the phone, of course, you know, and like so they like went through this whole thing. And during Scott's interview, he also reminded us of that Otto Warm. Uh, his name is Otto uh, Warmbier. Is that his name? He was the guy that just a few years back. You know, he he. I think he was that American or he was European who like was over in North Korea and he tore that poster down. Remember while he was over there, and then they like arrested him and held him in captivity, and he came back to the states just a few years ago, and he may or may not have been lobotomized or whatever because they said he came back and he was totally changed. And Scott was like, "Man, like if it weren't for Anoki or if it weren't for Muhammad Ali or Anoki, like." I'd still be there, brother, you know, like, you know, and stuff like that. So when you put it into that perspective, like, or if that could have been Scott, like, I mean, it could have been Scott, you yeah. know, I mean, you know, calling that, calling it a shithole. I don't know. Yeah. And then from that point on, he becomes like the voice that like whenever another wrestler starts acting up, he's like, guys, like, yeah. take it easy. You don't understand they are for real. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you yeah. Mean, you mentioned, uh, Anoki, Evan, this is, um, you know, listen, some of our, our listeners probably just grew up on WWF and WCW stuff, and they're not familiar with, with who Inoki really is and mm. what a landmark opportunity this is for dark side of the ring and vice and just everyone involved mm. to have him on the program. Uh, mm -hmm. can you sort of contextualize why that's a big deal? And then do you have any stories you can share about, you know, how this came together where you landed the big fish, so to speak? Well, I mean, Anoki is an icon and a legend in every sense of the w word in wrestling, but also beyond. I mean, he's really one of the bigger, you know, legendary celebrities in, in, uh, of Japan because, I mean, he he obviously had the uh, iconic wrestling career, but he also moved into politics and just kind of transcended that world. I mean, he's an, he's a he's a very very well known figure in 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 Japan. I mean, he he was a member of the Japanese uh, Diet, which is like the Senate. He was, um, you know, yeah, just a hugely hugely influential figure in Japanese wrestling. Um, I mean, he you know uh, he was a promoter, longtime promoter of um, of um, New Japan Pro Wrestling, and yeah, so. Uh, Anoki for us has always been somebody oh, just so captivating. Like when you see him in the ring or just his look, I mean, he looks like an actor. He looks, he has that face that's so, I, I, I keep saying the word iconic, but it is. And uh, for us, like, you know, we've always loved the Brody Anoki matches. I mean, all, all that stuff, like watching that. And um, <clears throat> for us, it was like a long shot. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because we'd heard that um you know his health wasn't great that sort of news was coming out um but we really wanted to try to get him in this episode and there's actually a project i can't say too much more about this right now but there's another project that's coming to vice soon uh and they were able to uh, inter uh they were able to interview um anoki on that subject um and so I just threw my hat in the ring like hey can we maybe reach out and see if he would do an interview about our show about our you know, collision in Korea thing. And so we got in touch with his son-in-law, Simon, and uh, it was actually really easy. Uh, you know, yeah, it was like, yep, if we can do it in this hotel at this time, you know, yep, he, you know, he'll, he'll give you one hour of his time, go for it, you know? Wow. And uh, it was, you know, it was kind of this thing where it, it came together very fast and we had to put it together. We had to get a local Japanese crew uh, together, which we did. And then I basically conferenced in on Zoom 
and was asking the questions. And it was just so surreal to me to be interviewing Anoki uh, um, from my living room here, you know, <laughs> or my office. And uh, <clears throat> but I wanted to not waste time on the translation. Yeah. So I just asked him the questions, having no idea what he was saying back to me. You know, I just was asking questions, getting as much as I can and just because we had that hour. And um, and it was amazing. You know, it was it was it was it was cool. And then seeing it back was so awesome. And there was so much more there. Again, you know, we 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 always go back to we only have the hour long, <clears throat> you know, for these episodes. <clears throat> but I mean, you know, I uh, there's so much more there that he that, that that when you know that that he contextualized about how this event came together and 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 of course his relationship with Ricky Dozan and that's also really cool too because Ricky Dozan was a subject that you know we've been told by fans that they want to see on you know at, covered on dark side so it was an opportunity for us to kind of give a little teaser of that you know uh, as well do you think we'll see a Ricky Dozan episode I, I mean I think it would be great you know it would um, be, yeah it, it's kind of one of those things where we'd have to like figure it out like um, because obviously all that stuff happened so long ago and I don't know how much firsthand there is. Yeah. But he- hearing Anoki talk about it, you know, I mean, you know, he, he had a lot to share um, and I'm sure there's others that could. Um, but for those that don't know, I mean, we covered it obviously in the episode, but you know, Ricky Dozan is looked at in a lot of ways as kind of the godfather of wrestling in Japan. I mean, he really, you know, he, he's, he's, he really put it on the map in, in a huge way in Japan and was such a huge... Uh, force in uh, uh, in that, and being from North Korea, you know North Korea celebrates him. Uh, he's like in their he's in their like school textbooks as someone you would learn about in school, you know. And uh, his home is like a historic site in North Korea. And and actually, all the guys on the Collision in Korea tour actually stopped by Ricky Dozen's house to pay tribute to it. Um, so he's a huge figure. Uh, there in in North Korea, and that's kind of how this whole thing came together. Because uh, according to Anoki, he learned that Ricky Dozen was North Korean some sometime in the '90s, which is kind of wild to imagine. But that that's when it first kind of broke. And so he, when he learned that, and obviously you know Anoki's really heavily into his political career at this time. He knew that his master's wish, or he learned about that his master's wish is that he wanted to go back to his home in glory. He wanted to return back in glory. So what he did is he he applied to North Korea to realize that wish. And that was right around the time that the dear leader, uh, Kim Il-sung, passed away. So it was like the one going to be the one-year anniversary of that, mixed together with the idea of paying homage to Ricky Dozan. And so then that's when he sort of started to put it together. And he went over there and he met with them and he's talking about and in the interview, I remember <laughs> reading through the transcripts of, you know, uh, reading uh, of Monoki um, talking about this, but his form of diplomacy with, you know, the guys over in North Korea is he says that my he says, quote, my diplomacy is that it involves drinking. So you like you, you need to get close enough to someone to know what they are really thinking. So we drank a lot. So they got like drunk. And then they developed a relationship, and then who knows? You, it was like pitched them. Well, you guys have never seen wrestling before. Well, I'll show you what wrestling is. If you, if if you're here, your hometown hero is a wrestler, and you've never seen it. Well, I got to show you wrestling, and that's kind of how the genesis of this whole thing came together. Yeah, and like like Ricky Dozan too. He like uh, he kept it a secret, you know, that he was Korean. And in Japan, he was just so huge. Like they had like restaurants and bars and clubs that like he owned. And so, you know, there was a little bit like, um, 
like they, they protected that like for a while. Like, you know, you'd hear stories about like Ricky Dozan, like after matches where he would be like, you know, he's all juiced up. He would like go back to his club, like right after like covered in blood and, you know, just work, even work his employees you know, uh, there. So yeah, there's like, there's, there's so much to his story that would make like a really great entertaining episode. Totally. And well, one of the crazier, like surreal things uh, about his death that, you know, no, nobody that we interviewed really recalled, but like the lore, the legend is that he was stabbed with a piss soaked knife, you know, like that's like the craziest, like what? Like if you read about it, it's like, yeah, it was a urine soaked blade that he was stabbed with, which is like, what? But it's out there. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it, he, type that in your Google machine. He didn't die like right away from the stabbing. Like he had no. surgery and his doctors told him to like stop drinking and stop eating or not, you know, be careful what you eat. And he just continued to live his life like, you know, right after the surgery. And then he got like a stomach infection um, and, and died from that. That's right. Oh, hey, real quick. I wanted to tell you what Matthew in Pennsylvania wrote. I had a great experience at SaveWithConrad.com. I worked with Derek and he quickly answered any questions I had. Being able to text him directly made things so much easier than having to wait on phone calls or schedule meetings at the bank. Being able to do everything from home was extremely convenient. I was in a tough spot with the pandemic going on, but it looks like everything is going to work out for me just in time. I would definitely recommend Conrad and his team to anyone looking for mortgage help. How can we help you? You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. But you do need 10 minutes at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. We're licensed in more than 40 states, and you even get to skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. So listen, you landed the, the big white whale. You got a Noki. Who did you want for this episode that you weren't able to get? Oh, man, so many. Um, well, I mean, uh, it would have been awesome to get Flair. You know, I mean, Flair, everyone talked about Flair being so um, <laughs> distraught and anxiety ridden throughout the whole uh, adventure. You know, like Flair was really freaking out about the plane. He was freaking out about the passports and um, he was on edge the whole time. And I think uh, also, uh, I, I think it's no, I mean, obviously I'm sure his relationship with WWE is what, what, what prevented him from being part of the episode, but he also, uh, there's also this incredible moment, which you see a little bit of in the episode, but we don't really dive into it, is that Flair was put on the spot. I think as they were leaving North Korea, the you know propaganda officials there in, in North Korea were, were, were basically asking him to make some declaration that, you know, like to say what like with the cameras rolling with the mics hot like saying that north korea is like you know it, it is the is the supreme nation and it, it could dominate the u.s and uh he was basically like i that doesn't work for me brother you know i'm not saying that you know and uh it was kind of a really tense moment and i think that like they had to re like kind of negotiate well what if he says this instead and i think he said something about like North Korea is a beautiful and peaceful country, and his uh, his um, excellency Kim Il Sung will always be with us. You know, I think that's the line he took. But they really wanted him to disparage, you know, the United States. And I think it came down to Flair being like, you know, that's not going to work for my gimmick or something like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So there's like another just, like crazy story he told where like like I heard it would have been great for the episode. Where correct me if I'm wrong, it's like him and Ali like went to like some. 
That's you right. Know, really big, you know, dinner, just the two of them. And there was like a high ranking official who was like telling them that they could destroy America like anytime they wanted. And mm-hmm. Ali, Ali, who wasn't really speaking that much during the whole trip, like speaks up and says something along the lines of like, no wonder why we hate these sons of bitches. That's and right. Flair was like trying to tell him like, no, man, <laughs> this is not the time for you to be speaking up now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, it was like, yeah, he hadn't really said much the whole dinner and it was like the first first thing he said was just like you know yeah no wonder why we hate these sons of bitches yeah and so I was like oh my god yeah um but it was it was similarly at that same dinner at that same thing i think i think it's either i i get these confused but there was some event that was some grand event for all the wrestlers and it was like this crazy spectacle uh of like all the wrestlers sitting at these tables this is allegedly the moment when scorpios you know steals the chopsticks um there was this like uh <laughs> all these dancers on stage and they were like transforming in their in these dresses like in fluid motion like they were wearing one dress and then like at the snap of a finger it would change another color like it was some crazy mesmerizing i think scott norton was like yeah it was some cirque cirque, cirque du soleil type shit brother um and uh, scott steiner just got captivated by this and was like uh I, I need to go check out what the fuck's going on and how these how these girls are changing in these dresses so fast. So Scott just gets up and starts walking backstage to this event, like off by himself. And and fucking like everyone's like, uh, you gotta go get Scott Steiner because we're all gonna die if he, you know, goes into the place he's not supposed to go. And so uh two guards wind up escorting Scott back to his seat. But uh it was like this moment where it was like uh you know just yeah, wrestlers getting into fucking crazy ass hijinks in North Korea of all places. Like can't we all just like chill out for a couple of days and like not be total, you know, wackadoos? Something I read about uh I forget which book it was, but I read about the Steiners having a barbecue over there. Yes. The Steiners mm-hmm. were not a part of the show. Were you interested right. in having the Steiners on? What do you call them on the podcast? Ham cube and what? Uh, so, well, it's been a long time, but I used to refer to them <laughs> as ham cubes and school board. That's right. <laughs> ham cubes and school board. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. It was so frustrating because obviously Scott Steiner, man. I mean, imagine Scott Steiner on Dark Side of the Ring. It just feels like it's a it's a match made in heaven. It in, is in many, many ways. Uh, cause he's just great, you know, storyteller, interesting presence. Um, and so I thought it was like a, I thought it would be like a slam dunk, like no problem, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then when we started reaching out to him, it was like, we're not hearing back. He probably just didn't know what the show was. Didn't hear back. Didn't seem like he really cared much to share the story. And then it was kind of this back and forth. And then it was like ghosted us. And then Rick Steiner totally ghosted us. There was no communication back. I was just like, really? That's that sucks, you know. And so we just had to soldier on because we got deadlines and due dates and big bummer, big bummer moment not to get the Steiners because I thought that would be no problem. Yeah, I really did. So we didn't. So we we had like not having Flair, not having the Steiners. Um, you know, it, it was it, th- there was definitely moments making this episode where we we're like, shit, can, are we going to be able to pull this off? Um, cause we, we had been thinking about this episode for a very long time. Actually, I, w- I was remembered last night that this episode was actually, uh, going to be one we were going to make in season two. If the Owen Hart ep- episode didn't happen, like if for some reason Martha told us 
you know, no, no thanks. This this was going to be in its place, and we were going to rush to make this. But um, again, thank, thankfully, that didn't work out that way. But still, I, I was I was shocked that we didn't get the Steiners because I thought that would have been that would have been amazing. But the 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 story you're talking about with the barbecue. <laughs> Is where they're all outside. It's probably the best meal they ate on the whole trip, and they're out there and they're uh, barbecuing all this different meat. And you know, Scott is excited. They're finally excited, like for real food, you know. And so they they like you know eat this. Like he like takes a bite of this like chicken or something, and he spits it out, and he's like, "Oh my god, this is shit," you know, and throws it on the ground. And how can we eat this? And he's just like cutting a promo on the fucking chicken there. And like, you know, Scott Norton was just like, oh, my God, they're going to shoot him. They're going to fucking shoot him, you know. And you know, and it was like, <laughs> it's crazy because it's like, you know, and then I think Japanese diplomats or whatever, you know, maybe the Japanese had to like intervene again and be like, deescalate the situation. I think they forced Scott to apologize, you know, and then contextualizing this, too. It's like, you know, the lore in North Korea is like, and this is dark, but, you know, 20 miles away, probably from that from that barbecue, you know. Allegedly, there people in North Korea, you know, because of the famine and because of the the drought they were in and the lack of food, and there, people have been known to like eat people over there, you know. So, oh. you know, in context, like of him just being like, "What the fuck's this shit?" You know, as this American wrestler, it's like, "Holy <laughs> shit, man! You gotta know where you're at." <laughs> I wonder, like, how often, like. <clears throat> If like any officials had to say like no, oh, this is just wrestling. This is just part of wrestling <laughs> when they like act up, you know? Because there was even well, they didn't know what wrestling is. Yeah, even mm. on the well, like even on the 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 bus fight, you know, with Scorpio and oh. Rock, there's a a Korean official like on that, that right on the bus who's like watching yeah. it, and, you know. So I imagine they're working them to a degree, degree too. Oh, seems a bizarre choice of folk to work, but yeah. Carry on. Evan, let's talk <clears throat> about the uh, the chopstick story. You alluded to it earlier. It is the thing that I saw the most comments about. Um, yeah. And, of course, you can't tell the chopstick story without talking about Scorpio, who comes off so <clears throat> wonderfully on this episode. A, a legit all-time performer, way ahead of his time. Mm. And we learned a badass in his own right. Uh, but this chopstick story, uh, w- what do you remember about this? <laughs> well, I think it was, uh, believe it or not, not to break kayfabe here. I think you told me about it originally. You you mentioned you read some book or some article and, and said like, yeah, there's like some story about Scorpio sharpening some shivs in North Korea or something. <laughs> <clears throat> and I was just like, huh? And that actually stuck with me. And it's not really something you can find a lot. Maybe he did it in some obscure shoot interview at one point. But there is not a lot of information out there about this like relationship this this fight that broke out, you know. So I remember when we actually did the interview with Scorpio, um, and asking him about that story. I, I did not anticipate that we would be sitting there for the next forty five minutes to an hour, absolutely riveted, as he is just going through this. He's lost in his own story, you know, talking about talking about this whole crazy rivalry. Um, which you know, I think he's definitely putting a little wrestler exaggeration into, perhaps. Um, but you know, and, and I, and I, I, and I think, you know, like when he's talking about, he's got his ha- eyeball halfway out in the bus. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but, uh, but it definitely was entertaining and kind of eye opening and just like, whoa, this is, you know, this is what is going on here. Like you're sharpening shivs in North Korea. This is insane. 
You know, like I, I just couldn't believe. But I remember when we filmed that interview and he he was going off for about 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, I was just like, whoa, this this changes the game for our episode like in a huge way because it adds like a total another subplot. And then um, I remember when we interviewed Scott Norton about it, obviously, who was very, very close to, to Hawk. Um, and, and I'm sure uh, Norton was getting hot watching it last night, you know, seeing seeing Scorp talk about kicking Hawk's ass because we all know what a badass Hawk is as well. Um, but, you know, Norton, I remember he was just like, God, I just really hope this isn't a big part of this episode. You know, really? Like when we, yeah, he did say that. Yeah, because he was there for the bus fight. That's the only thing he was actually physically there. I, I think for or remembered was when the bus fight broke out. Because um, you hear him talk about it in the episode. But um, you know, obviously, you know, Mike was battling the hepatitis C at the time, and you know, was not in his typical fighting fashion. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it's just a yeah. <laughs> of all places, guys. I know, like, knowing what we know now, like obviously, you know, internet wasn't what it was back then, but to know what we know now about North Korea and to think you could, you know, make a shank and stab somebody <laughs> and, and move on with your life is beyond. I mean, perhaps yeah. that's what we're saying, guys, here. The word shank, you know, just that in and of itself is so like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going street on this guy. I got to make him yeah. a shank. And I love when he's like in that scene <laughs> last night. I, I, I popped all over again for this. It was when the, when the he's like, we're backing, our, backing up into the elevator. I got my shank with me. You know, yeah. it's like, he's got his Christ. hand on it like he's like a cowboy. Like, <laughs> yeah. back the- One of the things that uh, the dark side <laughs> has become known for is the recreations. And mm. it's sort of uh dramatic and surreal and all these other descriptors, but you guys do a great job with it. But one that stuck out to me that I wondered because I knew some of the backstory, how did you just very quickly throw together a Ric Flair robe? Because you did a good job. Oh, <clears throat> well, <clears throat> you know, knowing that, you know, a thing or two about Ric Flair robes, Conrad, <laughs> uh, I, uh, well, I, you know, our costume designer who we should, we should shout out right now, Sarah Morden. She is absolutely, she kills it on this show. We couldn't do it without her. She, I mean, she's not a wrestling fan. I mean, now she is, but when we started out with the, we started out with the show, you know, it's a tall order to make a lot of these costumes and she's yeah. had to make so many robes and Rougeau, fabulous Rougeau robes, the, you know, all these costumes that, you know, for all of these different characters that we bring to life. And, you know, we're shooting, you know, three or four reenact three, three or four episodes worth of reenactments in, in one go. <clears throat> so she's very, very, very busy. I remember going into this block of shooting these, you know, episodes because she was doing Pillman. She was doing Nick Gage and all different types of looks there. Um, we just wanted to take some of the burden off of her because, like, you look at a Ric Flair robe and you're like, Jesus Christ, like, you know, that's, this is very elaborate. So I called you, I called Conrad, and was like, uh, you know where I can get my hands on a, on, a, on, a, on a real Ric Flair robe? Or is there someone out there who's got, like, a replica or something we can use and, and we, can, we can FedEx it up here to Canada? And you actually found us the legit purple robe that rick flair wore in north korea and so the actual one that it, he wore yeah and all goes back to starcast it was at all the starcast you could put it on get your picture with it the whole thing and wow. so <sighs> when you were like hey do you know where that is i'm like no problem but then of course yeah. we know it gets hung up in customs it doesn't make it 
but when I saw the, the shot, I'm thinking, no, wait a minute, the robe's not there. How the hell did they do this? Yeah. So like you said, it got held up in customs because of the pandemic. And so uh, it sucked because we couldn't get it in. So then we had to tell Sarah like, shit, we need a robe. And she sat there and basically freestyled that robe, Great which job. is insane. Yeah. Great job. I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. She creates magic for us. I'm not talking some Muhammad <laughs> Ali you know, magic, <laughs> magic tricks. She creates real magic. <laughs> hey, that's real magic too. Okay. Um, um, no, he gives up the magic trick in the shot. I did you see the magicians getting pissed off that, <laughs> that he on, gives on up the trick? Yeah. <laughs> I did you not know, see. And that. I don't care. I'm fine with giving it up. Like I don't care. Yeah, you're not a magician guy at all. No, not at all. No, nope. Um, but anyway, uh, unbelievable that way that she was able to freestyle that out because I mean I, I think it looks great in the show. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, it would have been, I mean, yes, to have the real fucking robe that was actually fabric that was in that, that fabric that breathed the air of North Korea to have that on our set and in the show as like a crazy fact would have been cool. But I think it's also just a, a testament to her ability to just like, you know, you know, she's such a wicked, you know, seamstress. She can put anything together. It's amazing. She's, she's super, super, super talented. So it's amazing. Let's uh, let's shout out some other people who were sort of the unsung heroes of this episode. Jason, do you want to rattle off some of the key behind the scenes staff and personnel who made this possible? Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Andrew Powell, our DP. Um, you know, he's, he's he's been shooting like the the majority of the whole series. Uh, he's absolutely incredible. Um, Jason Cook, who was an editor on the oh man episode, he he's like one of our head editors. And, you know, kills it on every episode he works on. And Can I say one thing about Jason Cook? Yeah. Just real quick. This episode, full disclosure, was one of the hardest episodes to actually edit. Like, there were times... It happens every once in a while in the show where you, we start seeing the early rough cuts of it. Uh, like of an episode and you're just like, is this going to, is this going to work? Is this going to be entertaining? Is it going to be boring? Is it going to be just information or like a Wikipedia page? And that's the last thing you want you know, with an episode like this. And there were many times where I was just like, oh my God, I don't know. And, 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 and to, I mean, I've seen those early edits, you know, where I was like, I don't know if this is going to make it. And, you know, Jason Cook stepped in and, you know, he, he's been with, he, he, uh, Jason Cook, uh, edited the Benoit episodes. He edited the Owen episodes, you know, he's one of our main, main editors and he stepped in and took it over and fucking gave it a whole new life. And, 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 and really, got that vibe that twilight zone surreal vibe he got into it it was a really hard episode to put together to set up with all the information all the players you know wcw new japan you know north korea how's this whole thing coming together and i i think it's it's put together quite beautifully you know um i remember just even the enoki intro we did so many versions because we were so self-conscious about like how we were you know, are we putting over Anoki enough? Like we need, we need more time to put Anoki over. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I was like, I remember like so many cuts of that just cause like we, you know, that meant a lot to us that we, you know, represented him and, and, and yeah. the right way. Yeah. 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 So yeah, Jason Cook, uh, you know, I mean, we, we talked about it at the top, but you know, Andrew Gordon McPherson, I think our composer is, yeah. you know, such a huge, Integral huge, huge part. part. 
Yeah. Yeah. The show would not be the show if we were just, you know, busting out library tracks, you know, guys. I mean, I think the, 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 the fact that this show actually, I think, works uh, for a lot of people is because um, it has, you know, every episode has its own score. And, and, the fact that he like, I mean, you, you, like when you normally hear Dark Side of the Ring music, you it, it's all it's more like that, you know, sequencer synthesizer, you know, kind yeah. of vibes, John Carpenter, you know, kind of deal. And then like when you this episode is has a totally different set of tools, and he really immersed himself into all of the 1950s and 1960s sort of, you know, uh, Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, you know, you, you always hear that theremin in there, and you're so hearing all the, you're hearing all the, like, strings, and you're hearing all the, like, you know, horror tropes of the 60s, and it's 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 just a really, gives a really cool vibe to that episode, because that, this whole story really does feel like, you know, these guys are trapped in a dream. They're in a dream, and they're all they all probably as soon as they got home they they they, they probably that all, that all, that whole trip i bet felt like a dream to them you know in hindsight and that's what we really wanted to lean into is that this is a we're going to take their stories and we're going to make it our into our own twilight zone episode that's what we tried to do yeah and yeah andrew's going off uh, as a composer <laughs> he, you know wait till you hear the score for the grizzly smith episode it's uh, oh that's been Fire. my favorite score. I'm playing that every day. It's a uh, it's awesome. yeah. It's one of the best I know, he's ever done. For I sure. know we're getting ahead and we're going to talk about you know what's coming up next. But in a few weeks, yeah. we will see the Grizzly Smith episode. Jason, is that the darkest episode of Dark Side of the Ring ever? Maybe. I. 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 I think so. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah, yeah. I, I I think so. It's um. Uh, that's the one that has probably like haunted me the most this season. Um, and the one yeah. that's just like stayed with me the most. And like I said, like I'm a huge, you know, I'm a huge fan of Jake the snake Roberts. Yeah. Like, he was my, you know, I got a poster on the, of him on the wall yeah. back here. And, and so uh, does Evan. I see it. So do I. You know, and yeah. I've seen every documentary, every piece, every shoot interview with him, you know? And so what I'm really proud of with our episode is it doesn't, it, our episode doesn't tr- retread any of that like no, information. That it's all new from, stuff. It's all new, you know, and and it's surprising kind of that it's taken this long to get this story out. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to what people think of it. A lot of yeah. shame. Uh, it's it's a dark one. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that that episode, but yeah, to bring it back to Andrew, the score in that episode is absolutely, I think. Possibly his best work, if yeah. you know. But I mean, there's so many great stuff that he's done for us. Um, Let's bring it back to Collision uh, in Korea. Yeah, you you, uh, mm-hmm. you had a lot of time to shoot with Eric Bischoff for this season. Oh yeah, uh, you've shot with Eric multiple times, and mm-hmm. I saw a tweet that you sent out, Evan, and I joke with with Eric on and off the air on 83 weeks that our dude lives in a postcard. Like anywhere you yeah. look. Any photo I've ever seen of his home or he's taken from his porch or his backyard, whatever, it just yeah. looks like, well, I mean, you could, you know, put that in a gift shop. That's a postcard right there. Uh, he, he has Gotta maybe the most out. picturesque setup I've ever seen. Let's say you, Evan. <coughs> it's absolutely amazing. It's, uh, took my breath away. Actually. Uh, I remember we were on a, we were, you know, cause we're, like I said, in previous episodes this season, we're driving around in an RV, you know, so we're, <laughs> you know, we're, we're driving around the country. I think we were coming out of Denver. I think we drove from Colorado up to Wyoming, I think is our, what our trajectory was. And, um, 
Uh, That drive is breathtaking, by the way. Um, But once we got to Eric's spot, I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Because I hadn't seen the pictures. Yeah. I I didn't know. And we're we're rolling up there, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And then I go into this house. I see the view out of the back windows. I don't know if, Conrad, you've ever been there. I haven't, but but I've seen photos of the uh, bar and all that. he's He's got a setup, dude. It's ridiculous. And the bar is the bar that's in the back of his interview shot that you can see that's like an old west legit from the old west bar i can't remember the year but he knows it's 1800s or some some kind and that i think that when they built that house when when eric built that house him and his wife i think they had to build the house around that yeah i'm pretty sure that they did they bought the bar way before they built the house right they wanted to make it sort of the centerpiece and yeah but you know the bar is cool but just the mountains behind him and all that it's like dude this looks like it's a movie like this is this is not a house this is a location right this is a set it is is, and to go with the sci-fi theme that was kind of one of the decisions that started off like with like uh, eric in that terrain and seeing him like it almost looks like he's on another planet (laughs) and then to like yeah you know alien worlds worlds clashing like and he's also he's he's not only is he vying for a top spot of best location or best home in in, in dark side of the ring he's also vying for top dog as well his dog yeah. is a is a gorgeous dog um you know because there's a lot of dogs that you see in our show yeah we gotta um, do the dogs of the ring or dogs of the ring super- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we gotta do the dogs of the ring everyone's dog gets in there it's i mean obviously cornet's dog is a, is a star on the show um Harley Quinn, uh, Cornette. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of dogs on dark side of the ring and his dog is gorgeous. I can't remember his dog's name, but Nikki is amazing. Nikki. That's right. That's right. So Evan chat me up about, I mean, you and I talk off the air all the time. And one of the things that has really, we're going to preview the warrior episode coming up in a moment, but one of the things that's always fascinating, whether it's Pillman or warrior or any of the sort of bios that you guys have done is talking to the wife. But there uh-huh. are no wives in this. Was that ever a consideration uh, of the panic that the wives may have had? Like we heard sort of Scott's testimony from being on the phone, but he had to be talking to his wife. And then all of a sudden he's ushered out. I can only imagine <laughs> from her perspective, because this is, you know, pre cell phones. Nobody had zoom in their pocket. There was no FaceTime, you know, no. it was all landline Jones back then. And it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> where did he go? What, what's going on? What's happening? It had to be stressful for the wives back here in America, right? That sounds like a good job or landline Jones. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, uh, no, it's a great point. Um, I mean, to get Tammy, you know, I would have loved to cut to Tammy, you know, in that moment. I actually met Tammy at Starcast, um, and she was great. You know, she was she was hilarious uh, to watch her face uh, while Scott Norton's telling some of his, you know, bathroom oriented stories was, was definitely a highlight of that trip. I remember. Um, but anyway, she's great. That would have been awesome. I mean, obviously we were focusing it more on like in the moment there in North Korea, but I could totally see a version where, you know, you're, you're, you're getting the other side of the story. Cause I don't think Tammy really knew much about North Korea, where her husband was going. Cause he had come from Japan. He was already over in Japan. Right. And he's flying over there. I don't think he really knew what he was getting into. I don't think she really knew because she assumed that he was partying out with the guys, you know, yucking it up and, and you know, drinking and all that stuff. But no, Tammy, you don't understand. It's a shithole. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> if we had like, you know, the 
the means to do like a you know a two part episode on it. It would have been amazing to have some of the women wrestlers. Who yes, there. you know, like Bull Nakano is there, you know, and oh my god, and I often wonder, like, you know, like what was like we have mostly the male perspective of what they went through, but what was it like for the women that were on that trip, you know? Totally, and and that's a really good point too. Um, we did reach out to both. Um, uh, we did reach out to, I can't remember if they turned us down or we didn't hear back. I can't remember, but we did reach out to Akira Hakuto or Hakuto. I can't pronounce that properly. And, uh, Kensuke Sasaki, um, or AKA power warrior. Um, but, <laughs> uh, they famously, um, uh, met in North Korea and they are still married to this day. And, uh, there is a legend and a lore around how the boys, uh and girls who are in the hotel this crazy you know 1940s hotel which we didn't spend a lot of time talking about but you know when a lot of them checked into those hotel rooms they were these massive rooms but caked in dust like no one had been there for like decades you know so it's again that's just like a crazy twilight zone shit right there but anyway when everyone's staying at the hotel they could hear the sounds of loud and passionate you know, lovemaking, you know, throughout this whole hotel. Like it was some crazy, almost like ghost, you know, like thing. I'd be like, what the fuck is that? You know, and apparently it was them, you know, it was, it was, it was Hakuto and uh, uh, Sasaki. And they had, you know, in, interloped in that moment. And a, a legend has, I don't know if it's true because we didn't get to talk to him about it, but like authorities were called and like they might have gone into the room. And, you know, no one was arrested, but they found each other in there. And, uh, and, but just weeks later, weeks after that, they were married when they returned home. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, it's amazing. I don't think any couple outside of North Korea, obviously, but any foreign to North Korea couple, nobody has the origin story. Oh, yeah, we met in North Korea. It is crazy to think, think they're that, the only that they married the only ones. in 95. So, I mean, they hook up here wow. and then by the end of the year, they're married. So pretty, pretty and cool. Still to this day. Yeah. Still to this day. Yeah. Still and um, when we interviewed Anoki about it, he didn't know the inner workings of the, you know, the whole story as I laid it out there, but he had heard about it and he, he laughed about it and he's still very close to them to this day. And he was actually like on his way, I think after that to go see them again, or something so and they're huge stars over in japan they're they're big stars on tv still to this day uh over in japan but that's where they met that's their origin story you know and it's like another thing on the list of things you could have put in this episode like easily so you know here we are again um you know overstand you know <laughs> the runtime but uh yeah just another facet to this whole crazy thing jason any other stories that uh you wish could have made the cut, but just, you know, couldn't make the runtime. I'm trying to think like there's moments like I wish that, you know, we could have lived in longer. Like there were cuts, you know, where that the initial plane ride was a longer like sequence. Yeah. And that, mm -hmm. you know, really built up a lot of anxiety too. Um, but I, for the most part, I think we've listed them off. Like that Scott Steiner story where he was spitting his food out, like yeah. during the dinner. With his, you know, that would have been great. It would have been a great, you know, reenactment to shoot. Um, but there is a deleted scene of that 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 we have, not with yeah, reenactments, right. but we are we are going to put that out. You know, later on, the, you know, we're going to release a bunch of deleted scenes over the summer in between the two parts of the season. But that is one that we we do have. Yeah. So, um, I can't really think of anything else that we didn't, we wanted to put in there. 
Um, there was one little weird part where Scorpio thought that they were being fed pigeons. <laughs> I remember oh, that. Yeah, that was in the cut <laughs> till almost yeah one of the last cuts. <laughs> Scorpio has a story which you know again could be a tall tale, but he was saying that over the course of the days that they were there at the hotel, he was noticing less, fewer and fewer pigeons around the hotel as the day was going on, and that was his conspiracy theory that they were eating pigeons. Uh, that that that's that's what they were feeding them. And I was like, I don't know, man, <laughs> that's crazy. But because he was saying how, you know, bland and bad the food was. And I think Bischoff talked about carp was they were eating a lot of and things like that. So, I mean, obviously, North Korea, you know, and, and I think a year later, I think a year after collision in Korea is when North Korea went through a huge famine. I think it was literally right on the cusp of when they would go through a huge thing like that. So, yeah, just historically. One of the craziest things that's ever happened that not a lot of people know about is that there were fucking wrestlers in North Korea, and it's just it's insane. And next week, something totally different, and uh, as with all things Warrior, it's not without its own controversy. I uh, was a little shocked to see that you know A and E's biography has taken maybe a a, a page out of Dark Side. We've, we've already sort of ethered. The Macho Man Randy Savage episode here. Uh, some of the other I watched ep- it finally. Well, <clears throat> okay, so before we talk about Warrior, what did you think of the Savage episode? Well, I think you know, uh, man. Like, I actually have to be honest. Like, I was I was kind of entertained by that first, uh, whatever it is. Before it gets all kind of like crazy, yeah. I, I I I I was I was pretty you know like I was into it. I was into the how they laid out the. Uh, WrestleMania three match. I thought that was really cool with the notes and the, and man, it just goes to show me or show us. that I I wish I fuck to to put, to put a, it would have been amazing to put Ricky steamboat, you know, to interview him for when we did the macho man episode, he was great. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I think that the filmmakers maybe were excited when they were like, we got an interview with somebody who's like, we have to like, you know, silhouette and stuff, you know, but like all of that stuff, like when it's put together and it's in, it's, it, 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 if if it's not like, and, and there's many, but many times in our show too, where we get excited about things that are really extreme or really insane. And we always have to kind of check ourselves to like, okay, how can we balance this in a way that, you know, is going to be appropriate for the story that we're telling, or how can we like plant that seed earlier or have that tone in, and, and I, and, and cause you know, we're, we are fans, you know, at the end of the day too. And so we always want to make sure our passion for wrestling and things comes through even at the more difficult and on hard and, 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 and wild moments. I, I, I'm not as hard on the macho man episode as like everyone, uh, the A&E one as everybody else is. Um, but, uh, I can see why it just, it, it, it caught people off guard because I think for so long, it's just really talking about the matches and the career. And then all of a sudden it just kind of goes <laughs> into this realm of like, what the fuck, you know, um, without kind of taking the rug from out from under you. But I, I, I think, you know, at the, on the same token, I mean, it's a, it's a different filmmaker and it's not the same filmmaker who did the other episodes. And I think he was approaching it from a different point of view, but, um, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I was entertained by most of it. Jason, were you surprised to see that their sort of subject list overlapped? And I believe they're going to air in the same week 
the A and E version of the warrior story and the dark side of the ring version. What do you make of that, Jason? Yeah. I, yeah. It's interesting. Cause I think they were originally slotted to air later and then they, they bumped it up. Um, but why which, did they just want to have warrior week? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I want to beat you to the punch. There's like a, yeah, maybe there's I like think that's what it is. Yeah. I think that, you know, cause it, you know, you can, you can, you know, look on Google, uh, that, uh, I think it was originally announced their warrior episode. A and E's was originally announced for later in June. I, I believe <clears throat> it was like late June or something like something around there. I don't know exactly, but, um, and you know, honestly, while we were filming our warrior episode, we had no idea that there was another warrior doc being made. <laughs> I yeah. had no idea. Uh, and so I, I saw it, it was late June and I was like, you know, cool. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden, a couple weeks ago, I'm like getting messages from people saying that, oh, it's coming out now before ours. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So, I mean, you one can only assume that they saw when we announced our list of episodes and they just wanted to be first. You know, they wanted to be first and they didn't want I, I'm assuming this is not verified fact, but I'm su- assuming they just they they don't want people to get either. They're not either. They're concerned about what's in our episode or they just want, you know, if 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 if, if audiences are going to sit down and watch something about the ultimate warrior, they want to be first. So there's no like, you know, warrior fatigue or anything. And people just want to see that and maybe they won't see ours. I don't know. But I do think that the ultimate warrior is one of the most poor polarizing, controversial, enigmatic figures in all of wrestling. Yep. Maybe the most hard to pin down legacy, the most hard to pin down who the fuck was this guy uh, out of anybody in wrestling. And I think it's very appropriate that the ultimate warrior has two documentaries coming out in the same week. I can't think of another wrestler where that would be more fitting. And uh, so I think it's going to be interesting. I'm going to be watching the other one. I'm curious. I, I, you know, because they obviously have, you know, they have an hour and a half runtime. I'm curious what what they're going to be talking about yeah. for an hour and a half. You know, <clears throat> they have so much resources and accessibility too. So yeah, it'll that's be, true. It'll be interesting. You know, J- Jason, yeah. if you had to guess, are they going to be controversial? <laughs> or are we going to hear about what a great human being Jim Helwig was? I. I don't know. I'm thinking, I tend to think that they're going to sh- probably show, you know, other sides to him. Um, they have a warrior award. I want to remind yeah. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- yeah, I, I think that, um, it, you know, what we saw with the macho man episode, it's like, what, you know, what are that kind of made me think like, Oh, maybe they will like go down. No chance, you know, buddy. Is, uh, Zero chance. Size. Zero yeah, chance. So? No, not with the well, warrior. It's different Warrior's. filmmakers. Not, well, not just that, but I'm saying, you know, Dana, Dana warrior is going to be all over this thing. You know that. And you know that, you know, that award is a thing. There's zero chance they're going, if there is controversy, it'll be for, it won't be a 15 minute burial. Like the macho man one was at the end, but maybe they'll try to, um, give reason to it or show that, you know, maybe he changed and you know, oh, I'll tell the you warrior, or warrior, the warrior award represents, you know, like being able to, to, to change and be a better person. You know, I don't know. Seems like that's what they were insinuating a little bit with that trailer that they put out. I don't know if you've seen that, yeah. but um, one thing just to talk about the match thing for a second, the, the, the anything that uh, I think kind of dawns on me with this whole thing is like, it is interesting because it's like, I think, 
<clears throat> the producers of the A&E Macho Man probably are somewhat fans of wrestling or, yeah. or were fans of Randy at some point, you know. Um, and it, and and for us, like being, you know, I mean, obviously, look, you know, Jake's behind me. All my Hasbro's are there too. You know, real, you know, we're we're diehard fans. <clears throat> and it, I think it, it does come to an interesting discussion point of like when you're making these documentaries as fans and how you reckon, you know, with your fandom, you know, as you're making it. And I think that like for them, it's like, I don't know, it, it is kind of a weird thing of like for us, even I think we find ourselves like at this point of like, you know, we're fans of all this stuff, but there's a threshold you have to cross where, you know, you have to kind of put the fandom to the side and you have to get the story, you know, and you're telling the story and, you know, from a journalistic point of view, perhaps sometimes where, you know, maybe the things that you're putting out there aren't in the the best interest for your fandom or the fans of said thing, you know? And so I, I, I don't know. It is difficult for me with the Macho Man anything because I don't know, maybe... You know, I mean, there is a story to tell there, you know, that uh, that may not align with all of our fan appreciation of this uh, 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 of this person. And I think that's even more evident now going into the Ultimate Warrior episode, because I know for Jason and I growing up as huge Ultimate Warrior fans, you know, there's a lot to, that you have to reckon with there, I think, in the history, in the complicated history of Jim Helwig. I mean, one of the more complicated figures in in, all, in, in, in wrestling. So I don't know. I, I kind of do. I, I see the Macho Man anything kind of from both sides. I think maybe tonally they could have made it work a little better, you know, just in the filmmaking. And I mean, we've been guilty of that, too, sometimes. But like, um, I don't know. I think there is some there is a dynamic there that is a little awkward. If, if, you, if you catch my drift. Well, uh, I was going to say before you talked more about macho man jason i gotta get uh international calling enabled so i can bug you like i do evan because i was fortunate <laughs> enough to see this uh a screener of the warrior episode and i told evan when we were done dude that that's that's the best episode of the season so far wow and i still feel that way after seeing the grizzly one which is a way different episode than anything you guys have ever done and way dark and i and i really enjoyed the pillman one and the nick gage one was fun and collision korea is fun but this warrior one i felt like and i don't want to spoil anything but there is so much yeah. new information and mm -hmm. a new perspective if you will that nobody has ever heard and there's a couple of scenes where i, I told evan i said you know i know some of the guys sort of lean negative like you can imagine, you know, but there's a couple mm -hmm. of scenes where you're like, man, it had a redemption story right there at the end that had a happy ending. And I, you know, a good, uh, a good, a good wrestling match makes you stand up and then sit back down and stand up. And so it's that roller coaster of emotions and that right. warrior episode. I felt like you guys hit it out of the park, Jason. Oh, thanks, man. Like, was that was warrior somebody that like you were always like, yes, fascinated in? Yeah. absolutely. I, when I was, uh, Nine, for my nine-year-old birthday party, I had an Ultimate Warrior cake. I had the Ultimate ah. Warrior poster at my house. Um, I have, to this day, I, I collected a pair of uh, Ultimate Warrior trunks. I don't normally collect trunks, but it was like, oh. I got to have that. And yeah. I've got a logo plate. So those old world titles, you had like the, obviously the center plate and the two side plates. But then there, usually it just said WWF champion on that logo plate. But he had a custom one that said WWF Ultimate Warrior. And I, it was his actual one. So I've got it framed here in the off right, here. I'll show you. Yeah. yeah please, bust it out. Please get some. So there it is. Oh, wow. Oh, that's whoa. amazing. 
That's so that's incredible. You know, I just keep it framed here. Wow. Um, anyway, yeah, he was one of my guys. And so, you know, it's one of those things where people say, oh, you know, don't ever meet your heroes because I had, you know, one experience with him that was not good. Uh, really? and, 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 and I was just sort of tainted from then on, but I was fortunate enough to be at that hall of fame and that WrestleMania and that raw afterwards. And I was with my, everybody sort of has a wrestling friend. You guys are probably each other's wrestling friend. Well, my friend is a guy named Clint. And so that was our first WrestleMania and it was his favorite wrestler growing up and one of my favorites. So we were there and it was just like, you know, a, a day later he's gone. And it's like, how did this happen? How could this be? He was such a larger than life figure. So yeah, I went into it, you know, sort of, I've got my opinion formed to the ultimate warrior and dude, you guys had so much new stuff and a new perspective. I think it's the, one of the best episodes you've done. Certainly the best this season. I mean, to wow. me, it's up there with your Brody one, which you guys Whoa. remember is my favorite. I mean, it's a totally different story. But I, I wow. didn't grow up a big Brody fan. I learned about Brody as an adult, but mm-hmm. in in my heart, I'm still a little nine year old Ultimate Warrior fan who was a little right. disappointed once upon a time. But my goodness, what an episode! And I, I haven't seen the A and E one, but here's a spoiler: yours is better. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Well, it's cool. Like, because I, I definitely share kind of like a similar, you know, uh, sort of feeling and upbringing. You know, loving, you know, Ultimate Warrior, and so same. You know, for me, this episode wouldn't have worked without getting Sherry Tyree, his first wife, who no. is really the one that gosh fills us in and all this information about Jim Helwig that we, you know, I've never, we never heard before. And, you know, maybe it'll give people a better understanding of like how we kind of, you know, went through his life and how he handled relationships with other people. Um, so, yeah, uh, yeah. I'm yeah, I think. I, I mean, how these two these two docs play out it's kind of yeah exciting interesting yeah it is exciting you know it's yeah it's gonna be like evan you said you know for anyone to have two documentaries coming out at the same time it's you know it's really great that it's the ultimate warrior (laughs) yeah exactly and i think too um uh oh shit what was i gonna say um oh boy i think i think here's the deal ultimate warrior comes out this thursday night on vice uh, every Thursday night is dark side of the ring. Next week is, uh, is going to be grizzly, but you do not want to wi- miss this ultimate warrior episode. It's my favorite one of the season. And I'm not just saying that. And I also wow. want to mention, uh, I know you guys need to lay out on this part. I stumbled across something called dark side of football. And I was so oh. excited season ticket holder to Alabama. Never miss a game. Huge football fan played football my, my whole life, football and wrestling. And I'm thinking, holy cow, dark side of football. I'm in. I'm out. Uh, yeah, not good. So uh, they, they have bastardized your dark side name over there at vice and they've, and, <laughs> and they're checking boxes and, uh, and, oh, we got dark side of the football too. So that was a gig to somebody dark side of the podcast is you guys passion. And that comes through. And I don't know that I appreciated that more than actually sitting and watching dark side of football. It gave me a whole new appreciation for Evan and Jason. And then I, I watched these A and E biographies and as you pointed out, they probably are some wrestling fans involved with that, but they, they are there in my opinion, it's, oh, we're doing this. And now next week we're doing that. You motherfuckers, you wake up, you eat, you drink, you sleep this show and it comes yeah. through. <laughs> and, and I, and I probably took that for granted until I saw someone else do it. And then it was like, oh, this is not the same. And anyway, 
I know I probably said some things there I shouldn't have for your partners, but I just wanted to <laughs> pat you guys on the back and say, I can see now more clearly than ever, how big of a passion project this is for y'all, because whatever you're making for doing this, you divide it by 24 hours a day for a fucking year. Uh, it ain't a lot per hour, so to speak. This is a, you're not doing it for the money. This is something you really care about. And I just thank you guys for bringing us this because it's the best part of my wrestling fandom every week watching dark side. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Thank you. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is a thing that we put, you know, so much of ourselves into. I mean, you know, dark side of the ring is, uh, for us, like, uh, you know, Jason and I as collaborators, creative partners, you know, we have such high standards, you yeah. know, for ourselves. Like we're so yeah. ridiculously ruthless in wanting to get things perfect. We're, we are perfectionists, you know, and sometimes it's hard for uh, our staff, you know, <laughs> to uh, or our, our network or some people to live up to, you know, how we see the show and, 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 and want it and want to make sure it's the best thing ever. We want the brawl for all to be the most important thing, you know, that's ever been on the airways, you know, or whatever, like our, our standards are ridiculously high. And, um, and so, and we push ourselves and everyone else for that too. And, you know, um, and I'm glad it shows, I mean, you know, that's, you know, I mean, it is, it is, there's a lot of moving parts in dark side of the ring that a lot of other shows don't have, you know, and, and, and maybe in hindsight, going back to the original uh, plans of the show, maybe we would have tweaked a few things, but I mean, you know, you have the interviews and then you have the reenactments and then you have the original score that's made. And then you have, you know, we're shooting all the archival off of vintage television set, you know, like that's what we really do. We actually take all the archival and we dump it you know, to uh, something that an old television can play and then we film it off the old TV, you know, so we're just like real crazy aesthetic junkies, you know, for this show and wanting to get every little piece of it right. And, um, you know, so I'm, yeah, we're just super thankful that it's, you know, that like people dig it, you know, and it, but it's a hard show to replicate. And I think that anyone coming in to doing that, they would, I think most producers would look at what we do and be like, holy shit. No well, kidding. That's not sustainable. That's not sustainable by any fucking metric, you know, than <laughs> what, what we're used to. They'd probably look at what we do and they would be like, this is not, this show needs more money. It needs yeah. more staff. Yeah. This yeah. is ridiculous. I can't believe what you guys do and that you do this. How masochistic you guys are to your, to yourselves and to the people that work for you. Probably, you know, so, yeah. so I, I think it's, it is like for another team to come in and, 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 and to do that, I think they would just be instantly like, yeah, this ain't worth it. That, that is, it ain't worth it. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, Evan and I were there for, to get these stories from people and people are telling us, you know, some of the hardest moments that they've ever gone through in their life. And for us, you know, we don't take that lightly and it's gotta be put on that pedestal, you know, that represents it to, the best it can be because if it doesn't like evan and i are going to be haunted by it and yeah. we oh, yeah. regret it every day like we there's things from season one like an edit or something that we miss that we you know we constantly remind each other that like oh remember when we screwed that up like you know so we don't want to haunt me with, yeah we don't want to haunt with me that to this day. yeah definitely yeah. so we yeah. it's like we have to go that extra mile you know yep. to do it and it is our you know this it's our baby and it's, you know, it's also, it's our favorite show. It's <laughs> if I were to want to work on any TV show that's on TV, it's going to be dark side of the ring. So, you know, yeah. We gotta, and we gotta bring it. 
And that's why, like, extra special shout out to all the people that put up with us, you know, and, and yeah. put up with our ridiculous, uh, you know, sets of standards. But, you know, thank God we have such an amazing staff, yeah. people that have been with us since the very beginning, too. Like, there's a lot of a lot of folks that have been with us since the pilot, especially on the reenactment side, mm-hmm. you know, and because uh, those are two totally separate teams, you know, um, not not totally, but there are some crossover, but for the most part. Um, and, you know, uh, yeah, and just like, this show, I mean, I think we've talked about it before, but the pandemic has forced us to rethink our perfectionism in a mm. lot of ways, you know, because we've had to relinquish our obsessive, you know, hold on the show a little bit in order to, because, you know, because we, we can't be there. We can't be in the edit room with people. We can't be everywhere at once, you know, like we were in previous seasons. And so now to be able to see that we've really empowered, you know, these other creative members of our team to really, you know, to 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 be just as you know uh intense as we are with the show and it's wow it's really showed us like okay we can chill now a little bit and we do have some really talented folks here that can carry this show too and uh and that's been eye-opening and amazing and i've i've learned a lot in that in that in this process of making this 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 season's been wild i mean it's been a wild thing to make during this crisis you know um and to travel you know in a fucking rv and you know and all this all the drama that happened in that side of that the walls of the rv um you know it's 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 john zandig you know and all that stuff so uh it's it's been it's been amazing but um it's it's just so cool to see that the show is still the show and and um anyway i'm just rambling at this point well, listen, we're uh, happy to have you guys every Friday morning. Tell your friends about your new favorite TV show. It's Dark Side of the Ring every Thursday night on Vice. And, of course, follow up every Friday morning right here on the My World podcast feed. Uh, it's My World with Jeff Jarrett, and you're going to get it each and every Friday. And, of course, we can't thank Evan and Jason enough. Uh, but stay tuned. This coming Thursday, The Ultimate Warrior, my favorite episode of the season, And we'll be back next Friday to break it down right here on Dark Side of the Podcast. What would your family do with an extra $108,000? That's a problem that our listener Jacob out in Colorado has now thanks to SaveWithConrad.com. He recently saved money with us over at SaveWithConrad.com, gave us a five-star review and wrote this. Our previous mortgage company made each step of the process difficult. But Jimmy took it in stride and made it happen. He was able to lock us in at one and a half percent less than we were at and saved us $108,000 over the life of the loan. Guys, that's unbelievable. Jacob saved more than 108 grand, but how much can you save? It's free to find out right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh, by the way, did we mention no house payments for two months? And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? Start saving money today at savewithconrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to ten. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B L E A V on YouTube or wherever you listen.